Welcome to another edition of Now and Then, Flatow Academy Theater. I am your host, Randy Reed, and we are coming to you from the studio at the Boys and Girls Club of Kawartha Lakes. Ah, February. February made me shiver with every paper I delivered. And we always say February, don't we? Instead of the proper pronunciation of February, we always seem to lose that first R. It's like saying Toronto instead of Toronto, or Lindsay instead of Lindsay. We tend to ignore certain letters and make them silent, even though they weren't intended to be that way. Sort of like the silent P in swimming. February is a busy month. I think the powers that be tried to make it busy to take our minds off the endless winter conditions. February brings us Groundhog Day, Valentine's Day, Black History Month, and next year, since we're having so much fun, we'll add an extra day to February during leap year. It's also my sister's birthday, so have a good one, Nancy. It's a very busy month for the Flato Academy Theater as well, so let's kick off this episode with a visit from our favorite theater general manager, Craig Metcalf. We are here with our friend Craig Metcalf, and he's going to be running through the uh, upcoming events here at the Academy in February. Well, thanks, Randy. Uh, February is an exceptionally busy month here at uh, the Academy. I wanted to highlight three events. I'll go through the whole list. On uh, February 9th, we have Hiprov with Colin Mockery. He travels with uh, a hypnotist, so it's a combination of... Uh, uh, hypnotism and Colin's excellent improv. So that's a guaranteed entertaining night out. Of course, uh, Kim Mitchell, he's pretty much sold out, but uh, we're so excited to have him in the building. It's been a long time. He's still so, so popular. For the kids and families, on Family Day, February 20th, it's uh, Splash and Boots. They've been doing some recordings with uh, everybody from uh, Alice Cooper to uh, Simon Ward from the Strombellas. So uh, again, that's family day. Everybody has the day off. So come and see Splash and Boots. A quick uh, rundown of the other events in February. Uh, Jan Arden, uh, fundraiser for Women's Resources. And uh, there are no tickets available right now, but there will be a small block of tickets coming on sale. Uh, before the show, so keep an eye out for that. We have uh, an up-and-coming uh, country artist, Aaron Goodwin, coming in on February 11th. Uh, the 17th, we have a mind reader, Kent Axel. I don't know exactly whose minds he's going to read, but uh, I'm sure that uh, that'll be entertaining as well. Um, February 18th, Lennon Live. We had um, the Fab Four the end of last year and they had such a great time this is the uh, John Lennon from the Fab Four who's coming to do a show featuring all the music of John Lennon and the 19th inspired to dance it's a recital and St. Thomas Aquinas is coming back to the theater this year and doing high school musicals on February 24th and 25th. So that's the rundown for February, a busy month. It is so. That's great. Looking forward to a lot of those things. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Craig. It is indeed a busy month at the theater. We're looking forward to a lot of those attractions. That's wonderful. 
If you have been paying attention to the podcast over the last few months, and we certainly hope you have, you have heard the names Dennis and Maggie Sweeting mentioned several times. Ray Marshall, Jim Brown, on and on, people have mentioned them because they are extremely important people to the Kawartha Summer Theater, which started at the Academy back in the late 1960s. We're going to be hearing more and more about them as this podcast goes on today. And we are going to start off with our friend Ian McKechnie, who is going to give us a little background on Dennis Sweeting. Ian. Tell me about Dennis Sweeting, really important character. Yeah, so uh, Dennis Sweeting was uh, born out west in Calgary in uh, 1915. And he came to the theater in the 60s with a background in the performing arts. And that served the Academy very well at a time when it was trying to professionalize live theater in this community. And he came at such a, uh, such a key time in the theater's history because that was around the time where they were trying to figure out how they were going to keep the building afloat. Yes, and during the, um, during the Second World War, if we might go back a couple of decades uh, before he came to the Academy, uh, Dennis was uh, a major in the Queen's Own Cameron Highlanders of Canada and he was awarded something called the Distinguished Service Order during his time in the Army. And this was given for um, soldiers who, had, who were exemplary in their leadership. And leadership, of course, was something that was uh, needed at the Academy in the 1960s when it was transforming into uh, this wonderful sort of cultural space that it would become. Right. And his wife, Maggie, um, she's mentioned a lot over the years, too, with... Um, them being being quite a good couple because Dennis was kind of the dreamer of the two and Maggie was kind of the pragmatic, practical one who would reel him in every now and again when his dreams got a little bit too much. Uh, tell me about Maggie too. Maggie was a, a professional singer and she had appeared on um, television and radio shows, variety type shows, um, before going into the management and the show business. And she was a producer for the Canadian Players. Uh, she served for a time as secretary of the Actor Actors' Equity Association. And eventually she served as manager of the Academy. Oh, that's great. She, yeah, they were quite a, quite a power couple at the time. Um, so Dennis came on board in the kind of the mid-60s, presented this idea to the Academy Theatre about producing a summer theatre company. Yes. So. 1964 thereabouts, they, uh, Dennis and Maggie submitted this proposal to the Academy Theatre Foundation that would see the creation of a summer theatre company. And after a few years of uh, sort of negotiations and discussions and dreaming and some experimenting, uh, this was formalized finally in 1968 with the creation of Kawartha Summer Theatre. Well, that's great. And this summer theatre program, you've heard about um, quite a bit of it over the, uh, the last few episodes, and you will be hearing more of it on this episode as well. Um, but when we're talking about Dennis and Maggie, um, they not only had a great influence on the theater itself, but Dennis um, was very involved in the community as well. Very much so. Um, it seems that when people get involved in the arts, that involvement uh, branches out almost like octopus tentacles to other, uh, other aspects of community life. And not just in Lindsay, he was the um, president of the Association of Canadian Television and Radio Artists, or ACTRA, 
He was instrumental in establishing the Canadian Actors' Equity Association, and uh, he was also the warden and deputy reeve for a time of Victoria County. And all of this culminated uh, uh, really in 1994 when he got appointed to the Order of Canada. He was quite a boy, quite a boy. Um, I got a kick out of your story. You were talking to her. You, you had um, quoted Dennis's son, Chris, talking about what a people person Dennis was. Yes, so uh, this was a, an anecdote that was related by uh, Chris Sweeting for a book that was produced um, almost five years ago now during the Academy's 125th celebra celebration year. And Chris uh, reflected about his father. One of the things that was really important to my dad was that he said goodbye to each patron as they left the theater. He was a huge people person. Walking down Kent Street with him took hours. But he thought it was really key that people be able to connect a face to the show. Whether they were from Lindsay or were cottagers from Toronto, he made a point of standing by the doors and saying goodbye after every show. People would give him feedback, and it wasn't always good feedback, but regardless of what the feedback was, he just did it and thought it was really, really important. That's terrific. And it's no wonder he's so well thought of after all these years. He passed away in 2000, I know that, and he left behind quite a legacy here at the theatre. Thank you, Ian. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thanks again to Ian McKechnie for filling us in on, on Dennis Sweeting. Very interesting character. Since the last episode, we've had all kinds of really positive feedback on our chat with Ray Marshall. Ray was the uh, longtime general manager at the theater, and we played the first half of his interview, his chat with me last month, and uh, we are going to continue that chat this month. So without further ado, here is Ray Marshall. Probably my number one passion about the Academy is the age mm -hmm. and the time frame. Like it. No matter when I went in there, when the show was over, I always went back to, wonder what this looked like back in 1990. Mm -hmm. And I met Mr. Carmen Knox, who was one of our Academy supporters. And him and his lovely wife would come in every fall, right about now in November, and cut a check for $1,000 and leave it on my desk. And this was not just because I was there. That had started way before I got there. It was an annual little trip that they did. And uh, Carmen would sit down. and uh, He's like 6'3", 250 pounds. And I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure what the Knox family did, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they ran some farms. And he had, he had some great stories, and he repeated them a few times, which was fine with me, <laughs> about um, bringing his date in from... Um, Dunsford with a sleigh and a couple of horses and a couple of you know big 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 blankets and uh, coming into town at supper time going down in this theater this was prior to 1933 before the renovation right and uh, he's pretty sharp for a guy that's been around doing that for a while absolutely he has no, some it's great, fascinating. great tune and great stories yeah uh, you talked about Tommy Hunter. My um, my dad was a 
a honky-tonk piano player, Alexander Ragtime Reed. Mm. And he was a semi-regular on Tommy's show, mm. both the radio show and, well, Country Hoedown on television and, and Tommy's show later. Mm. But we, my family went to a boys' camp that used to be on Balsam Lake called Kagawong. Mm. And my dad was a counselor there in the summers, and I was a camper and then became a counselor. Anyway, in the late 60s, when Tommy did a show, my dad would often take me into the taping sessions on the Friday, and we'd go into the afternoon, and I'd get to sit backstage in those little little dingy dressing rooms and listen to the boys tune up and, and nice. warm up, and they always played jazz. That was always, always the, mm-hmm. amazed me, the, the session guys who would go out and play these three-chord specials on the, on the country shows. But in the back, oh, jeez, could they ever play those boys? Yeah. And it was fascinating. Roll, so that was yeah. my first my first walk into the, the academy. I guess I was 16 or 17, something mm. like that. Anyway, um, I'm sure over the years that you cultivated some great friendships with artists, performers, um, promoters, um, on and on. Can you uh, go into that a little bit? Mm. Yeah, I think... Uh... It sort of started in theater school because of our schedule. Um, we had to take one academic program in first year, which was civilization course up at the main campus. We were a satellite campus. We were in a, a reconditioned Catholic church. Mm-hmm. It was all painted black, and all it was all taken out of the the, the world of Catholic church um, worship locations is because they built a new church right beside it down on Empire Street so we were a satellite campus we had a shop or two and we had a rehearsal hall uh, we had 200 seats a little lobby and a front entrance and a couple of uh, probably four sound booths we had an upper level above the lobby which was our lighting storage and and lighting operation gallery and I think in, we had two first-year classes, so there was like 24, 26 people times two. Class one, class two. By Christmas of that year, four, four months down the road, I think they were down to 16 to 18 wow. per class. Mm-hmm. Because people were told it wasn't an acting program, and by that Christmas, they were either suggested to don't waste your money here because you're not going to graduate as an actor and you're not that good as an actor anyway. So everybody was evaluated by the staff um, after four months because we got to get to work here. Mm -hmm. We have to get you people into a theater two years from this moment that Christmas of your first Christmas at the theater center. So things, and then second year there's only one class, third year there's 12 of us. And within that 12, uh, three of us got placement in Britain, the rest of us got placed in Canada. And I got sent to Calgary, which was fine with me because my poor uh, friends who ended up in Britain couldn't stay there. They They weren't invited because A, they didn't have green cards and they were in union houses. Um, so we don't want a Canadian coming over here. It's great that you've been here for th- four months, but 
you're going to go now because we're not going to give you Bill's job. Right, or yeah. Patty's yeah. job or whatever. Take your job away from somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Now, they could have gone down the road and, and done whatever they needed to do to stick around and do an apprenticeship or, or get a green card or get your um, your visa, mm-hmm. like a dual, ship, dual citizenship visa. But they all three of them came back. And uh, so that network of working together, getting back to your question, <laughs> that's where it all started. The teamwork, there's no, there's no me, it's we. Yeah. Um, and even if there's somebody that's coming off the bus right now through the door, he's got a toolkit, he's part of the team. Yeah. Until such time that we get to take a break and go, you're doing really well, or we're going to introduce you to some other spot. Right. Because certainly in Toronto, whether it's a family member or a family friend or a lost carpenter who just can't quite nail it. <laughs> no pun intended. Yep. Yeah. I don't think we would ever close the door. Mm-hmm. So all of this mixes into the fact that when you work with everybody that comes in the door of the theater, certainly as a techie, um, a producer, their talent, you know, Leona Boyd walks through the door, you're pretty well going to give up everything for Leona Boyd or anybody, Sarah McLaughlin, whoever, whoever is, they're all, everybody's deserving. That's why I keep going back to the local talent too. Right. Yeah. Um, because the local talent is, is in there and, some of them are a little more sure to do than others what to do and some of them need time to settle and work it out whether it's climbing a ladder or playing piano or violin that's how i grew up in the business was working with people on a for a positive result where the people get up and they stand up when the show's over. Right, yeah. And that's really the number one guideline that the people I usually worked with, um, the promoters, um, and sometimes the talent. I mean, you know, Holly Cole can come in and you, you may not say too much to Holly Cole because she's she's focused. Maybe she didn't have a good time in Aurelia, whatever. <laughs> and yeah. dinner's late. Yeah. Sound check is late. Nobody's really stressed out, but there's no downtime. Yeah. There, you might walk her to the bus at the end of the night and say, you know, it's great having you here. Um, and that, you got to be careful about that whole thing. Otherwise, you'd be trying to spread yourself too thin, especially when you're doing five shows out of seven days. Sure. Yeah. Of uh, different acts. It's, it's the different acts that. Uh, are challenging. It's also the local, the local talent. When you've got big cast for a musical, mm-hmm. um, there's an ownership there when they come in the back door for two weeks, um, and that's fine as long as we 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 expect what they expect, and you can know what's coming. Yeah, it's a little odd when you first get to work with a group of 45 to 55 people who all think they own the place <laughs> and, and you got to sort that out a little bit mm-hmm. and also your own staff working with them you know they don't believe in dinner breaks they don't believe in water they don't believe in in 
taking a breath. Yeah. Because they, they think they only got two and a half days, which is, you know, okay, well, we'll, we'll add another day next year, right? <laughs> yeah, it was nice to see, speaking of the musicals, it was nice to see Seussico come back. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth Wilson did a, a great job with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very impressed. Good. And that's that's such a tradition in the theater, having the, the fall musical. Fall music, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And the, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, the Kiwanis Club in Lindsay started in 1932, and there's a program that the Academy owns for one of their, one of their first, uh, 1932, 1933, the first uh, Kiwanis musical in the theater. And... Uh, that was a special program. I think it, there might be a photo of it in that book. Um, they, I think it was blackface or something rather um, out of place nowadays. <laughs> um, and then now there's no Kiwanis Club. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we don't. But we have we've had spinoffs, whether it's. Um, Lindsay Little Theater doing musicals in the spring. Heritage Christian School used to do musicals in the spring. Um, Sabina Kitchen and Allison Ayers picked up mm-hmm. the the slack for making the musical continue in the fall for the Academy. Right. And I guess there's triple some threat. Too, triple threat was yeah. definitely in, in yeah. there too. And uh, and Splendor of the Season. Um, so many. So many people locally need to be always remembered for mm-hmm. their hard work uh, and the amount of talent that they brought to the stage yeah. at a young age. And we've all seen them walk out the door, and we've all seen them either become really good doctors and uh, lawyers or musicians and actors and designers and exactly. yeah. uh, carpenters and costume people and designers and things like that. Exactly. And there's yeah. a lot of people. I just saw Skylar Kite um, mm-hmm. on a TV show the other day and he's a musician and an actor. Um, so there, it's never ending. Um, all my five kids were on the stage at some point or up in the booth mm-hmm. and uh, they... Uh, their friends um, had time with jamming in the lobby or things that they were able to get up and running sure. back in the day. Yeah, and, uh, yeah that's going to be one of our focuses, are, are the families that have mm-hmm. literally grown up in the theater, yeah. in that theater, yeah. um, the Emery's and the Mackey's. And that's the, a huge you know, connection. Yeah, that, it really that, is. That idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's very deserving for sure. Um, there's um, there's a lot of history and there's a lot of kindness, a lot of good nights, a lot of good shows, a lot of good memories, and um, from '06 when I left, that was probably one of the things that worried me the most was going to a different town to mm-hmm. a different theater because uh, it's not like I knew everybody that was working at a show place because right. I went and it was their 10th anniversary and uh, and I how long were you at show place? 11 years 11 years yeah 
And, and probably after the first two, three months, I had already started enjoying the the circle mm-hmm. that I was starting to see come right. in and out. Yeah. Whether it was day-to-day use or whether it was local talent or out-of-town talent. Right. And a lot of the out-of-town talent was the same. Because <laughs> when Showplace opened, it was Ron James here Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Peterborough. Right. Yeah. So there was a lot of uh, in-out of the same same promoter yeah. with the same talent. Um, and it's interesting how some of that has quietened down a little bit. Um, Blue Rodeo, three nights, either town, sold out. Ron James, three nights. Stuart McLean, bless his heart, when he was with us, that was three nights, both towns. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, that that wasn't happening right. the last 10 years. Yeah. It's one per town and move on. Yeah. Um, and they either, it seems they either play Peterborough or Lindsay. Sometimes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, we used to say there was a big speed bump at Omimi. <laughs> not literally, folks. <laughs> um, Although, if you've seen the construction in Omimi, you're oh, not far for off. Sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> the, the speed bump being, uh, especially, and this is, this was scared me back in 96, 95 when Stroke Place was digging a hole. Actually, they didn't have to dig a hole. They just had to tear out the old theater and put in the new one. But I, I was very concerned about Lindsay going to Peterborough, mm-hmm. and I think that it happened off the top. And and I was still saying hello to lots of Lindsay people when I left in seventeen, uh, and that was a good thing when I'd have to say I spent 21 years watching Peterborough people come to Lindsay exactly yeah exactly yeah so if it's good they'll be there absolutely yeah yeah I know with my son and I were big Matt Anderson fans for Mm, instance for sure and you know if we heard he was playing in Peterborough but not in Lindsay we'd make the drive to Peterborough absolutely because we wanted to see him yeah. So that type of thing. This has been fascinating. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, we could we could you could go into Market Hall and there, there's a whole different avenue with Market Hall yeah. because of uh, folk under the clock and and a lot of the other groups that use the hall as opposed to uh, showplace or uh, I always it always bothered me when the vibe opened up. Uh, not the vibe. Um, the venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vibe was closed for f- the first five years that I went to Showplace. Oh. I'm like, great, stay closed. <laughs> you can't compete with us. Yeah. The venue opens up, and we do Sam, not Sam Shepard, he's a writer. Um, Sam Roberts. Roberts. Thank yep. you. We do Sam Roberts' March of some, such and such a year, sells out. A year later, he goes to the next door because mm-hmm. right. they got 800 capacity of 800 right but I wasn't you know I was told by the owner Skinner at the beginning oh, we're not, we're not going to compete with what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your nose sure. is growing you, I can see your nose growing <laughs> I'm not sure why you said that because <laughs> you're not telling me anything I don't I haven't already figured out yeah or I haven't seen happen in other places mm-hmm. you can't have two Loblaws side by side exactly it's yeah. not allowed the city and the fact that the city said oh yeah 
Skinner, you can do whatever you want down at the... Like you're 24 inches from the <laughs> show place. Yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. But I know, I know you won't compete. <laughs> oh. Um, well, to wrap this up, first of all, thank you for your time. Um, welcome. I'm probably going to be back because there's lots more that we could talk about. Um, I just wanted you to know, I first met you when I was a teacher, mm -hmm. and we used to bring bands and choirs and so on in there, and you always treated us so well. And uh, right through my career with the Odyssey Project and, and as a performer and mm -hmm. in musicals, I, I always appreciated your friendship and your, mm -hmm. your hard work, so thank you for that. Thank you, Randy. Uh, I think the Odyssey was one of the most exciting times of my, my career, was watching those what you guys those kids did were together. amazing yeah they were amazing yeah yeah really not to be seen like i'm sure it happens in other towns and i remember david uh, you guys brought in uh, a band from sudbury yes school. that's right yeah and that's the one that the the stones went and saw or yeah. a couple of members of the stones stopped in when yeah. they were flying over sudbury yeah <laughs> and i i asked for, for permission I think this was before Odyssey, maybe? Yeah, it was, because yeah. that's where David got the idea. David Morrison were talking about. They were talking about, why, yeah. not, why, not, eh? why yeah. not? Why not try it? Well, I went on the bus after the concert, and the teacher was still in the lobby, because he was a bit of a railroader, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of respect for him, but, oh my God, <laughs> regimented. He, he took the... He took the sea out of culture for yeah. <laughs> But he was a commander, so. Yeah. Uh, but I went on the bus and I just, you guys, I want you to just give yourself a pat on the back. This was awesome. This was like totally awesome. It's like a $40 ticket to see your show today. And, and never mind the cost. Mm -hmm. The experience is, is priceless. Yeah. So be proud, be loud, and keep on going. Don't, don't ever think that this was a waste of time yeah whether it's the trip or the amount of work because they had risers and oh i know platforms and all whole production yeah yeah so and i did that a couple of times with uh, some of the dance shows that we had um and some of the some of the things that were just packed up so i remember the male odyssey or sorry the um orpheus male choir from st catherine's or somewhere down southwest London, maybe. A guy from Fenland with the Optimus Club or somebody, he came to me and he said, I can bring in the Orf the male Orpheus Choir with 100 voices. Wow. And you better tell me some more because I don't <laughs> think I can get 100 people on that stage. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm sure and they I do. haven't mentioned that show to anybody personally for a long time. <laughs> but I mentioned it twice in the last week for some reason. But they... The deal is with the, the big choir, male choirs, you have to have an afterglow. Mm. So you've got to find another space. Right, yeah. So I sent them down to the Kent Mall. Oh, yeah. And they booked the Kent Mall. They had a neighbor's <laughs> restaurant, or not neighbor's, whatever the restaurant was at the time, yeah. to open up the, the kitchen and the bar. Wow. The, the audience and all the singers, like the singers went down first, and then the audience went second. So your ticket got you into the afterglow. <laughs> And they sang down there for another like an hour and a half. Well, that's great. It was something else. And the, all the audiences up on the second floor, like the, the balcony mm -hmm. part of the Kent Mall. Yeah. And the choir, I think there was probably 80 guys instead of 100, because some, some guys might have buggered off home, but yeah. or back to the hotel. 
Two or three coaches. Jeez. Big outfit. That was, was one of my, my it was, other... It was stunning. My other memories was... Do you, do you remember the weekend? It was a Labor Day weekend, I think, and they tried um, a blues festival. That was us. That was there the academy, you go. Yeah. And Down Child was there. Yeah. And Kitty Corner from the theater yeah. then was a restaurant, and I forget the name of it. Do you remember the place I'm talking about? Yep. Anyway, after after they played at the, at the theater, they went across the road, set up again, and played for another two hours. And we're standing there, like <laughs> shoulder to shoulder. We couldn't even move. Yeah. Nobody got a drink or anything because they couldn't serve anybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they just went on and on. It was great. We had a great time that night. We did that with the Olympia with um, Pablo. Oh, yeah, okay. And yeah. Uh, two, of his, two of his pals yeah. after the show. I ran that by Nikki like a month before. I said, we want to bring Pablo in, but he wants to come in here again. Like the first time he went to the restaurant, it was all um, ad-lib. Like he oh, yeah. he just went down. And, I don't know. Somebody must have gone down in intermission to tell, uh, to ask them to stay open. And uh, the second time it was scheduled. Hmm. And, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Play. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, thanks again, sir. Mm-hmm. We will be in touch, I'm sure. Ray Marshall. I'm about to introduce you to a young fella who I met by chance, actually, just before Christmas time. His name is Doug Tangney. And for those of you who have been in the area for a while, you will recognize, I'm sure, that surname of Tangney uh, being in the retail business downtown Lindsay for years and years. Doug has been a professional actor for over 40 years, and that to me is just astounding that somebody could actually make a living as a professional actor in this country for that long. He's an interesting character, and he has some great stories to tell, and we're going to share his conversation over the next two or three episodes, actually, but I wanted you to hear the first part of it where he talks specifically about Dennis and Maggie Sweeting. So here is Doug Tangney. Okay, there was a tradition of summer theaters, Bella and different places, but there was no tradition here in in this area. And there were Maggie and Dennis, and uh, they both knew a lot of uh, Toronto actors. I mean, they were well in. They ran the Crest Theater uh, in Toronto. I think it burnt down, and that was one of the reasons. But he was very well connected. But when he came up, he, he had these wonderful dreams and Maggie would sometimes kind of just put her hand on his shoulders and hold him back, but the combination was perfect. And he wanted to do a show a week, unheard of in, uh, in summer stock, and, which meant that you'd have four days rehearsal. So you'd start rehearsal on Wednesday and open on Tuesday. Yeah. Well, he brought in some of the best that he knew, and uh, and... You know, they could learn 160 pages in four days. I, I was just, I mean, they'd have to shut my mouth because I couldn't believe what these actors did. And I think the greatest training I had, actually, was working and watching actors in their process because I, I didn't study theater. And I was probably just starting my 20s or so, and... Uh, to watch these chaps. But one afternoon, uh, 
they brought in the fellow who had worked with the... See, most plays would now a minimum of two weeks. In many places, it's three or four weeks to rehearse. We were doing it in four days. And, so, that, and that was generally while there was a show going on at night, That's too, right, that's right? right, that's right, yes, that's unbelievable. yes. Yeah. It was just incredible. Yeah. One afternoon, we were rehearsing, and this was a, a newer gentleman to the, to the gathering. And the, the director said, you know, over here, and, and maybe I want you to give a bit more oomph to the, to the whole scene, and then it becomes funnier. And uh, he said, I can't, I can't. And the director said, well, what do you mean? And he said, you guys are crazy. You can't learn a show in four days. You can't. Bless you, bless you. But you can't learn a show in four days. And he went out the door. Saturday afternoon, <laughs> we open Tuesday, and he's gone. And uh, Ron Ulrich, wonderful Ron, chased him up the street and so on and tried to talk him into staying. And he said, he kept saying, and we could see him out the window going, no, you guys are crazy. So, uh, uh Ron Ulrich came back. He was a director. So he took over the lead. Oh. Holy smokes. <laughs> so it was, it was wonderful. Now we can't let February go by without paying some attention to Valentine's Day on the 14th of the month. Valentine's Day is a huge day in the retail industry, especially in the flower business. And it also lends itself beautifully to a lot of great, great songs over the years. And hearkening back to our salute to vaudeville, we went back in the archives and found a song that has lived a life of its own for over a hundred years. This song was written in 1910, and we thought it would be kind of fun to get Mary the Ghost to sing this beautiful love song for you in honor of Valentine's Day. Mary, take it away. Let me call you sweetheart, I'm in love with you. Let me hear you whisper that you love me too. Keep the love like Isn't that a beautiful song? And Mary, a lovely, spirited version. Okay, Academy Nation, I'm asking for some help. Starting next month, we are going to be featuring some memories of the theater brought to everyone's attention by you, the listener. 
on the website. If you go to the website, nowandthenpodcast.ca, you will see a space there at the very bottom where you can actually enter your memories and stories about the theater. I know for a fact there are hundreds and hundreds of memories that this place has brought forth for so many of you, and we want to start hearing from you. So please go to the website, nowandthenpodcast.ca, and go to the bottom of the page, and please tell us your memories and stories of the Academy Theater. Now, I would like to thank the usual cast of suspects. Thank you to all our guests for this particular episode. We had some great chats with some people. I would also like to thank our producer and good friend Warren Frank and his lovely sister Renee Frank for her lovely rendition of Let Me Call You Sweetheart. And a special thanks again to William again, who is our social social media guru. We will develop another episode for you for uh, next month and we will talk to you then my name is randy reed thanks again for listening please support the arts it's important